Welcome to another edition of the Built for the Storm podcast. Hosted by three-time World Series champion Jeremy Affelt. Affelt brings it. Chopper on the infield. Affelt to the bag himself. Get ready to experience life's winding journey through the minds of proven leaders in the worlds of sports, business, and entertainment. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affel. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affel. As they draw up your own personal playbook to overcoming the odds and achieving real success. We just don't give up. We don't quit. You know how we pieced everything together, man. Seeing teams win like this, the way we win. What's the best way to weather a storm? Run into it head on, charging full steam ahead. This is unbelievable, you know, game seven. I mean, this will be a memory for a long time for me. I'm so happy I got to come to the park today. Here's the fearless leader of our pack, Jeremy Affelt. So on this episode, I get to have a friend of mine. He's a newer friend probably six years ago now, because I've been to True Face three and a half years, and we were in a group together through True Face before that. And Jeremy is uh, one of these guys that you immediately connect with. And despite the fact that he's a three-time World Series champion, he's a humanitarian, philanthropist, speaker, author, broadcaster, he's a dad, he's got a generous heart, and he advocates for all kinds of stuff. He's got a book, uh, Life Justice in Major League Baseball. He has a podcast you should check out, Built for the Storm Podcast. He's opened a brewery in Bernie, Texas called Free Rum, and he's got a new book coming out. Tell us about the new book, and Jeremy, what are you working on? Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I'm actually in my brewery right now. I'm very thankful I get my podcast studio, which is also my studio slash office, and I have a TV above me where I just hit the on-air sign and I put my headphones on and I just watch TV and no one bothers me type office too. So it's actually, (laughs) I got a big window. I can look out at the brewery and check it out and kind of keep an eye on it. But I've been crazy. We've been, I've been up and down. It's been a crazy journey the last few years, but uh, writing a new book on just dealing with storms. And obviously, you know, this is my logo. We, it's a green logo. It's my American flag logo, but the, uh, it's a hop, it's a hop. And, and for, for the beer, but we've turned into a Buffalo because of, uh, it's called free roam for a reason because the Buffalo mentality and it's about the Buffalo and what our brewery stands for is what the Buffalo stands for. And it just takes Buffalo's take on storms. They charge them. Uh, you're hearing a lot more about it lately. You know, I've, after COVID you've heard everybody, I've been speaking on the Buffalo mentality for three years now, but people are just starting to kind of push that message more and more because it's all about charging storms, and that's what Buffalo do. They don't run from them. They charge them, and that's what we kind of talk about here at the brewery is, man, we're not here. You know, a lot of people, as a man of faith owning a brewery, <laughs> you know, people are like, what, you, but you're a Christian and have beer. And I'm like, yeah, and Jesus is welcome. Trust me. I'll probably have a beer yeah. with him. You know, so we kind of, it's hard for people to understand sometimes depending on how they were raised. But yeah. at a brewery, it's, it's not a place it's not a place to get drunk. You, that's not what you come here for. You come here to just taste some good beer, relax, have conversation. We have music in the back. It's just a good relaxing place. But the reason why I was so focused on developing it the way I did was because I want people to be able to go through storms. They're going to go through storms. It's inevitable. And I want them here to talk about it. And some of my biggest and best conversations, whether it would be with my teammates when I played or since I've been done and going through the storm I just recently went through, 
I needed to talk to somebody and man, yeah. I had guys just bring me over a beer and throw it to me. And we sat on the back porch and, you know, had a beer and talked, or I came into the brewery and I've had so many guys call me and be like, Hey man, I'm going through it as your brewery open. And I said, of course. And I said, I'm down here. Why don't you come by, man, let's grab a beer and talk. And we get to talk about storms. I get to talk about Jesus with them and how I see things. And it's just a great concept. And so I'm writing a book basically on the same thing. I'm just what it's like to go through a storm. I talk about some of my storms and what I went through and life isn't always just major league baseball and world series rings. It's normal life. It's family life. It's running the gauntlet of doubt, of shame, of anger, of bitterness, and how I used what I learned in baseball to manage a lot of the storms. Uh, you know, when I had to manage storms on the field, I, I actually apply them to real life. So it's, it's just a good book. I'm super excited for it. I'm excited for my kids to read it. And it's, that's the next project for me coming out this summer. We'll push it through uh, Trueface when it comes out this summer. But Thank uh, you. I'm not, you know, well, I'm not a baseball guy. And I'm remembering now, I was smiling because I, I think the last baseball game I watched was with you. It was like at Eric's house. There was some World yeah. Series game on, and you were like commentating as I was watching. And I was asking you questions. I'm like, it's pitching. You're throwing the ball. I don't yeah, even yeah. understand any of this. <laughs> and so my appreciation went up quite a bit from yeah. uh, watching. As a soccer player, you know, I just, you know, yeah, uh, we got our issues, but we've overcome that storm in our friendship. What, yeah. How many years did you play in the league? Uh, 18. Uh, I played 18 years. I signed out of high school, and I played uh, four in the minors and 14 in the big leagues, so 18 overall. And you got – what years did you uh, – you were pitching for the Giants? Yep. Uh, we I was there from 09 to 15, and we won in 10, 12, and 14. Yeah, okay. so we had, we had a good – I lost, actually, in 07 with Colorado when Boston beat us. So I was fortunate enough to be in four and win three, which is, I would say, man, I've played with a Ken Griffey Jr. I've played with some amazing, amazing talent, and they never got that chance. So to be able to say that was uh, a chance I received and what I, I man, it, I can't, I can't complain. It was a pretty awesome run. I had a couple Ken Griffey Jr. baseball cards. I so did I. Years. So did I. I'm not kidding. I, I had them too. It was kind of a weird thing going in to play with them. And I was kind of, he's my childhood hero. And then I heard he was a, you know, prima donna and it was, he was tough to deal with. And then I walk in and man, he's a great guy. He was one of my favorite teammates. He, my son was, my oldest was, was 15 years ago. So my oldest was, man, six months old. He was playing with him, carrying him, taking pictures. I mean, I, I mean, he was That's great. Cool. Yeah, he was, he was awesome. So I was very thankful for that. And I got to play with Randy Johnson, which is my other childhood hero. Uh, and pitch, I actually saved his, I helped save. I can't say he saved. I set up the save. I was one of the setup guys that set up his 300th win, which ensured his hall of fame status. So it was, I've had a lot of fun runs, man. And God's given me a lot of fun opportunities just to reminisce and have some great memories. That's awesome. So, uh, I'm judging you right now that you don't know much (laughs) about storms because you know, world (laughs) series, um, all this stuff. And, uh, I had uh, I had a friend on here who was talking about he was in the Super Bowl um, and he w- he was on here six months ago and and it was like we we project stuff uh, that happiness success will come through this stuff and yeah. he said it was a it was a spiritual experience for him of like being on the Super Bowl going this is everything the world has to offer and this is it it's yeah. like. The longings of my heart are not connected to what the world says will give you the longings of your heart of like, if you can, you when you achieve that. And so it's fun talking because it's like, oh, yeah, every time we get talking, it's like you've got 
you get the World Series, it's like you should be happy and life's good and all that. Yeah. It's like no. no, yeah. I I uh, we we won't go down that rabbit trail, but um, I, I've been talking a lot uh, with my friends about like there's pretty much two longings that we have in life uh, to experience belonging, to be loved, and to have significance or purpose. And significance and purpose, as you know better than most, is not winning the World Series. It's uh, Andy Stanley has a quote, the, the measure of a life is determined by how much of it's given away. And mm. your generous heart, your, your care for others, you get that principle, even though uh, those of us who the shiny next thing is always that little G God that's alluring us to purpose significance in the wrong place. But if purpose significance is really found in how much of our life is given away, then really it goes down to one thing, which is belonging and love. That's our number one longing design, why we've been designed. And therefore the storms that hurt the most in all of our lives is relational of love, of belonging way more than anything else, because that's our number one longing desire. And those storms are the worst and those are central to our design and what the evil one will attack and what God will redeem and restore. And watching you over the past six years uh, as, as a new friend has been cool to watch you weather that storm. Uh, so yeah. I'd love, uh, if you catch yourself on what that's looked like and what God's taught you through that storm. Yeah, sure. You know, like you were saying that belonging, that's identity and it's easier to give yourself away if you actually understand who you are, right? It's easier when you understand where your identity comes from, what your identity is, you're super content. And when Paul says for me, I, I'm okay with being content. I don't think it's, I don't think he was okay with just sitting around and doing nothing. Cause obviously he did a lot. I think he was just okay with who he was. And I can give a lot if I know who I am. And the people that don't know who they are either give too much becomes fake and they try to keep up with the Joneses or they get super, super selfish and they don't give it all and they just hide. Right. And so you know, for me, it was identity and it was understanding who I was. And with baseball, it's crazy because you try not to make baseball your identity. It was, I was never over, like you were said, it, in the World Series, it wasn't, I, I mean, my, my rings are in a vault. They're in a safe. I don't wear them sometimes when I speak, but it's not like they're out for everybody to look at, you know, and, and life moved on. You win it, great. You have a parade. Yay. You get your ring opening day the next year. And then it's like, all right, life, we're good. Like we got other stuff going on. And so you start to realize like, man, all of our identity is wrapped up in this baseball player or, or you're the baseball player. And man, it can easily be distorted. And so if a lot of these guys, it's natural for all of us to gain our identity there. I lost it a little bit in that when I retired, you look back and you wake up after you retire and you're like, now what? I don't have a routine. I don't have to get ready in this winter for a season. And you, you almost naturally gained an identity that you didn't necessarily want to have. And then the guys that wanted that identity, they'll retire or they'll live and die by their successes and failures. And they go into depression, they go into alcoholism, drug addictions. It, it's crazy. And I've seen guys that have made hundreds of millions of dollars in this game retire. And the next thing I, I hear, they're in a rehab or their DUI and like, cause their identity was in that. And it's a false identity. They didn't, they didn't have their real identity. And so for me, my identity was a little bit in that. And I realized that, but my identity was wrapped up in a few, the, being a father, 
prided myself on, on, on being a husband and a father and trying to be a spiritual leader in that, prided myself on just being married, prided myself on being able to take care of my family. I got a house, my kids are safe, right? Like prided myself in that identity. And man, you know, a couple of years ago, I talk about it a little bit in the book and, and I get divorced <laughs> and my world absolutely came. I got, it was a bad deal. Marriage was kind of on the rocks for a while, but you, you never, you just thought, whatever, I'll fight through it. It's, is what it is, right? Things happened. Some things I can't talk about, but some things happened and the divorce process started and man, I, I grieved. I remember crying for, man, it was a long time. There was months of crying and I would just cry for no reason. I got in my kids. I, I'd have to leave the room because I mourned a loss of something. Essentially, it was a death, right? I was married for 22 years and it's gone. And I prided myself on this guy that was married. Children do not believe in divorce. To this day, I do not believe in divorce, yet I'm divorced. And I'm like, man, what is happening? And I remember it, I just got broke down. And, and I, I do think that, I don't think that God ever intended marriage for divorce. I definitely don't think that. But I think that he, I don't think he was necessarily against it either. I think that he was kind of like, you know what, Jeremy, this is, I got to, we're going to free up some stuff here. And I remember walking through this process with God, angry, bitter, frustrated. And all of a sudden I remember God saying to me, you are not a divorced man. You are loved by me and you're right on time. And I just remember being like, he was so trying to get me even out of that. Your identity is not husband, is not dad, is not baseball player, it's not brewery owner, it's not public speaker, it's not author. Your identity is Christ and Jeremy. You've got to get back to that. That's your identity because then you can literally give yourself away to your kids. You can give yourself away to your business. You can give yourself away to your relationships, your friendships. You can, and it can all promote me, but your identity has to be me in you. And he kind of brought me to that realization and I was super scared. You know, I've been through a lot of storms in baseball. I've been, I've been through a lot of storms in life. I've almost been killed four or five different times, head on collisions at 55, walking away, shark attack, walk away, uh, man, just, uh, rolling my truck off of a cliff and my truck wedging between a tree and the cliff and my kids were in the truck. And I was able to save them and me because the truck wedged before it dropped 30 feet down the hill in between. The, and I got them out. There's just so many different ways that I've been trying to be taken out and weathering storms. I knew God wanted me here and he wanted me in his purpose, but nothing ever looked right. According to the church, you know, when you talk about like running a church, you got to be married to one wife. Well, I'm not now. I'm married to two. I've been married to two. And, I, I, and God, please just let it be two. I love my new, my, my new bride is amazing. I don't ever believe in divorce, but it's like, wait a minute. That's not how it was drawn up when I was 19 or 20 years old when I got married, right? This is not how I drew this life up. My yeah. kids confused. My going house to, back and forth between homes. I mean, it's just super confusing on everybody. And yet I got back to this 
riding. I, ro- I used to ride my mountain bike every day. I'd box, I'd work out, I get, I, I, and I got real COVID hit, which was a blessing, uh, to be honest with you, because I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't run, right? I had to face it, and I'd charge that storm, and, and uh, my family, my mom and dad, uh, you know, got to stay with me during that time of the divorce process. They stayed with me because they couldn't go back to Washington because of the COVID. And my kids had to be homeschooled. So I had three computers running at the same time. And my parents are both teachers. And so it was like a blessing. It just trying to find uh, when things don't look right or look biblical or you can no longer look like what everybody thinks this Christian man should look like. It all gets back to Christ and Jeremy and understanding what redemption truly is. And he redeemed it. He redeemed it in an amazing way. The, um, to unpack a little bit, because I know your passion for marriage and the irony and the depth yeah. of the pain of the morning when as a divorced guy, uh, yeah. in that regard, God is, you, you said God is for marriage, obviously he designed it that way, but you said he wasn't against it. He, that, but that was for your scenario. You got to correct. the point where you felt like that wasn't a general, cause he can't be for and against he's for That's marriage, right. but That's in right. your situation, um, which with complexities that all of us have, you were trying to follow him through it. And there was a piece, he said that this isn't the end of the road for you. There's a next chapter that I will orchestrate. Is that, that's what I hear in you, which is a that's delicate right. thing as a, as a Jesus follower to go, this doesn't make sense, but I can trust you through it. Yeah, no. And that's exactly what it is. Like I said, it's not how he drew it up. I think that there are things that take place in, I think when you're married, no matter if a divorce takes place, you can never blame one side, right? You can't blame one side. I wanted to, I wanted to blame one side, but I, I couldn't. And things happened, things were done. And then uh, the boy's mother filed. And so I didn't want it, and, but it happened, right? But then yeah. when you walk through it, you find out this is actually freeing. God frees me of it. And so I think that's what I try to say. He's never for it. But when, the, when it's already, when it's, when it's happening, when it is happening and it is over, I was living in shame because the fact that I was like, I was ashamed of it. And instead, God said, you're not to be ashamed of it. I'm freeing you of it. I'm going to redeem it. Know that it's about Christ and Jeremy. And your shame is all about your identity and who you are as a father, a husband, and what you thought family looked like. It is not going to look like that now, but I'm going to redeem it and I'm going to bring it back to what it should look like. And he's done that. And I'm a way better father. I mean, I am so sensitive to my kids. I cry around them. They cry in the house. They don't have to be afraid of crying. I tell them all the time, it's okay to cry. It is okay to cry. And we show emotion. We're vulnerable. We're transparent. Doors open. They can approach me. They have permission to talk with me. And I have permission to talk with them. I mean, it is amazing. I've been through so much therapy with a really good Christian therapist. And she has done so many different things, the EDMR stuff, light therapy, book work, just self, self, just healing stuff where you have to understand how God sees you and creating boundaries. And I'll tell you, I, I've been through four, going almost four years. It was a two and a half year divorce. It was terrible, but it was a, it's been four years of therapy from just 
being able to heal and get an understanding of who I am in Jesus, that I am not only a better father, I got married in November to a beautiful woman. And I will tell you this, she gets the best version of me. And that's not a knock on the boy's mom. We were 20 years old when we got married. You don't even know what you're doing, right? Married for 22 years. There was a lot of stuff that we should have been doing through those 22 years that we didn't do that probably would have taken care of a lot of stuff. But the reality of it is, is that I get to be the redemption love of God is going from where I never thought I'd ever trust a woman again, never wanted, didn't even know. I didn't even want to, I, I, I was like, I don't even know what the next process is. And I mean, the last time I dated when I was 16, I, mean, I so I, the boys, mom and I were together since we were 16 years old, I, 40 years, I'm 42, I'm 43 now, but I was 41 years old. I don't, but God just was like, nah, nah, I got you. And he put yeah. a woman in my life in that, and, and my bride now gets the best version of me. The redemptive love of God says, she gets the best version of you. That's how I redeem it. Your sons get the best version of you as a dad, Jeremy. That's how I redeem it. And my friends get the best version of me. My parents, my mom and dad and sister, they reunited, and my brother, they reunited. I, I, I've seen my family more than I ever got to see them in my marriage. Like they're around. I get to see, it's just, I'm happy. This is what, this is to me, to understand what the redemptive love of God is, to understand what a healing God does, to understand what a God that says, I'm going to put this verse in the Bible that says, take joy in trials and tribulations, where I used to say F you to that. I'm like, why would I take joy in trials and tribulations? I understand that the buffalo charges storms. He takes joy in that because he's like, I'm built for it. I got a God that's going to push me through it. He's going to redeem it. And I'll guarantee you, if I go at that storm, the clouds pass over me and I get out of it quicker and I get to bask in the sunlight on the other side and I get to take joy in it until the next storm comes because there will be another one. I don't know what it's like. God, I would prefer just a little bit of a drizzle. <laughs> I went through quite a, I went through a blizzard. I would prefer just a little drizzle. Like I, I don't really want another blizzard, but it doesn't, regardless, I know I'm built for it and I know who my God is and I have so much more faith. I guess I wouldn't say more faith. I think I just have the ability to exercise and trust in that faith that I have in God a lot more than I did because I actually walked it out. I, uh, as I'm listening to the principles of this, like whether we really believe this or not, like stuff is going to happen. Trials, tribulations, sufferings, like that, that divorce, uh, God's intent and design is not for that, but stuff is going to happen and suffering and trials and tribulations. And uh, some of us listening to this have experienced abuse or uh, yeah. character assassination or losing a job or the fear of not providing for our I mean, all kind health stuff, um, relational stuff. When we face those trials and tribulations, like it is a faithfulness and a real, that is when um, we get that opportunity to trust that he's a good, loving father. Um, well, my mentor, uh, Reggie, and I've added one to this. He says, it boils down to this. He's 70 and said, look, it's simple truths. And we vacillate in the depth of our trusting those truths. God is a good, loving father. How much do I actually believe that? He calls me his son or daughter of the king. You are now a son or daughter of the king. You're a saint. Yep. New identity. Third, he knows what's best for me. Yep. And fourth, I can trust him with my life. 
Mm. Um, it boils down to that. And regardless right. of the depth of the storm, uh, that is faithfulness of trusting that. And man, the fact that even now, like I'm, I'm thinking like, what is the storm as a blessing that his faithfulness can be shown through? Because he will redeem. Like, right. and to affirm what he has redeemed this terrible situation because of your faithfulness, uh, you have you have experienced the redemption of it. Um, and I've watched you because I, I mean, when we first met, it was pre-divorce, right after yeah. you had retired and you were in this like identity, like at first it was like the identity stuff and then the yeah. divorce and then uh, Candace and then the like watching you weather that storm, you are a better friend. I trust yeah. you more deeply, a healthier man when we intersect. And I'm like, man, this adventure of following Jesus, it is a weird Western Christianity thing to see that in a way of a lack of suffering and uh, storms and all that. Um, to be encouraged this morning of like, they are a blessing and being present and aware of that. Were you able to be aware of that? Like, how did you how did you stay on solid footing in the middle of it to trust those truths regard that one day he can redeem it when it seems like he can't like what, it, what pull me back to that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, I think I went through, but I didn't go, it wasn't easy. And, and I think that's sometimes when people I've heard talk about people talk about storms and they're like, you just got to do it. You know, it's fine. You'll be fine. You, you just gotta, you gotta believe it, man. Yes. But that's not, a reality you get to right away. It's not like the divorce came down. It's like, I got this, you know, you like can't the, skip the grieving process <laughs> or the mourning process or the ang There's five, there's five levels of grief, right? One of them is anger, rage, bitterness. Like I'm so mad. And, and I remember there's a couple men, John Smoltz called me and he was like, man, I just want to tell you, I had this, it, I, I went through it, man. And, you're going to be fine. And here's, he goes, but here's the thing that I, I, I know when I was going through it and in my Bible study, the guy, I had a guy come up to me and said, I just want to let you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And he goes, and I want to punch him in his mouth. And I was like, Jeremy, I'm going to tell you that there's light at the end of your tunnel. And I know you want to look at me and say, you know, bleep, 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 whatever. And, and I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, I know. But the good thing is I walked this journey and I can actually tell you, he goes, I have a, I've been married again for, I think at that time he's married again. It's like over 10 years. It's great. My kids are still, they still love me because the biggest fear on divorce, especially since I know you love your children is like, I just don't want them to, you know, I don't want to disconnect. Or I don't want to lose them. Or, and so you, you almost want to try to hold on to them or try to one up the other parents says, don't ever do that. Don't talk bad about their mom. Don't talk about anything that happened. Love your children and your kids will be just fine. And it's a, it'll be a process, but they're going to be fine. And if you're a healthy dad. So I remember that where I was like, okay. And I hung up the phone and I was still mad about it. I'm like, I shouldn't have these conversations. And I remember getting on my mountain bike one day. I, uh, uh, the kids went to their moms. Uh, she had them on Thursdays. And then like, I think it was weekends one, three and five. And then I had them the rest of the time. And, and, uh, and then she went to, they were at her house and I get my day off. Right. And my parents are there and they know on that day, we don't talk to you. We don't, we, we, you want, we're not going to talk about any of it. You go do, you got to do golf, whatever. And I remember getting on my bike and I rode 18 miles that day 
and I was riding on this bike trail and it was next to the church that I was attending uh, during this time. I don't attend there now. And it's not because I didn't like the church. Just, I needed a clean break. I just, <laughs> you know, you can only handle so much of people coming up to you and be like, Hey, how you doing? It's just too much. Right. Yeah. And so I kind of separated from that situation because of that. There was no, no bitterness with the church. I love that church, but I was driving back there on this trail and all of a sudden I look up and they had just added a cross, like a, like a, made like a steel cross and literally they had a, um, like a prayer bar in front of the cross and they had some benches. And I felt like when I went on that bike ride, I was supposed to take one of my communion cups cause I was trying communion to do that as much as possible. And I remember sitting there and I just remember staring at the cross and weeping and, but angry, like I, and, and <laughs> I know, I, you know that I don't always use the cleanest language. I think you were there in person, but, uh, you know, I was, but I tell you, I remember the profanities, the anger, the screaming. I mean, I said stuff to God that I, it make it, people would probably be like, you're going right to hell for that. Like for yeah. sure. You know, like I was so angry. But I re- but the craziest thing is when I was done, and I took a big deep breath and tears were pouring down my face because I was so distraught and so tired of the lies being told about me. All these things that trials do, divorce is not pretty, never is. Divorce attorneys make it terrible. And, and I remember sitting there and taking a deep breath and I remember I ripped open my communion cup and I just drank it. And I just ate it. I didn't do any of what the scripture said, you know, do all these. I just yelled at them and I took it and drank it. And I'll tell you, that's where the room of grace came into play because it was the good intentions could have said, well, you didn't do it right. Or, Ooh, probably shouldn't have said all that. Or you better be in shame or, but the room of grace said, no, you did it exactly how you were supposed to do it. You ripped your clothes like David did when he was mad and angry and you drank and you partook of something because all you did is you let a God, you trusted a God that said, I'm pretty thick skinned. You can yell at me all you, you can yell at me. I'm not going to react to you. I'm God. And I'm just going to, in the end, I remember I drank that cup and I sat there and I just felt so peaceful. It was crazy. I felt so peaceful. Almost where God said, are you finished? And I felt like saying, yeah, I am. He's like, good. And I love you. You're right on time. I got you. It's okay to be angry. I know you don't understand this now, but Jeremy, you are, I smile at you. I, 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 I walk with you. I cry with you and I'm proud of you. You got to stay on the path. Stay with me. I really felt that man. I really felt that was the moment I could have went either way. That was the moment where I could have flipped the bird at the cross and rolled out, and I didn't. I screamed and yelled and got it out, and God just grabbed and hugged me, and he gave me a kiss on the forehead, and he drank some of that communion with and he ate some of that communion with me, and he said, man, now we walk this journey, man. You got it out. Now this, and I remember I just felt so confident in who I was in God that I actually went through a crazy trial, five-day trial, where... I just, Bill Thrall, who we all know, 
called me right before I went into trial and he said, how you doing? I said, I'm scared, but I'm confident. And he's like, Jeremy, I want you to do something for me. When you go in there, no matter what, you be honest and you let God deal with the consequences. So whatever they ask you, just answer it. And I, and I felt so good because you, you so want to try to lie, right? Like I got to make I got to defend myself or I got to. And I told my lawyer, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to throw anything out there that shouldn't be out there. I'm not going to manipulate anything like you all lawyers like to do. I'm going to be honest. And man, I felt so good. And, and I felt so strong throughout the next year and a half of delays and yep. manipulations from attorneys that I was just like, yes, I got angry a few times because I'm, 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 I'm fallible. But again, man, I, I, I knew that I trusted God with me. And he we, didn't look at that as, man, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do now. Like, he's like, I, I know exactly what's happening. And I know what the end result is. And I know where I'm taking you. And that was good for me. And, and, I, and I felt good about it. I slept good through the whole process. I slept good after the divorce. I didn't look back. I don't feel bad about how I handled it. I did everything like I needed to do. And my kids are right by my side. My 15-year-old doing great. We have great conversations. My kids are happy. They're happy. They're, they're not these kids that are getting in trouble at school and getting in fights or, you know, I don't have a 15 year old to my knowledge that's sneaking around doing beer or anything like that. You know, like he, he's a good kid and the yeah. teachers, he won leadership awards. He's, 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 they're thriving in school, man. Praise I, God, man. Yeah. And, it's been great. And, and just like the family could have turned, in your faithfulness at the, at the hearing and how much damage and wounds that could have done, which we were, I remember that day praying with a group for you in that down to the time of the cross. Like when you were at that cross on the, like yelling at God. Um, I, I just read a book living fearless by Jamie Winship really liked it. And he gave language to what you described, which I'll leave you with. And then we'll land the plane. Uh, he said confession, the language he used for confession is that confession is truth telling. Mm, it's not like, I like it. hey, I sin, therefore. So you were confessing, you were truth telling, which is vulnerability and trusting God with the truth of like, I am angry with profanities. And like, he knows that he it, so right. tr- confession is bringing that to him and trusting him with the reality of how you are thinking and feeling, which he already knows, but we don't. And we, we dumb it down into like, oh, sorry, I did this yesterday. God, forgive me. So confession is truth telling. And therefore repentance is turning to God to receive the truth. So if we tell the truth in confession and then we repent, we turn to his truth to receive his truth is what you just described beautifully. Uh, I confessed truth telling, and I repented, I turned to and said, regardless of this, I trust you. I remember you by taking this communion. Mm. I remember your goodness. And you turn to, which is repentance, which was a really cool simplifying language and handles for me on describing what that looks like of like uh, truthful turning to repentance of uh, trusting his truth. And uh, mm. dude, that. That like hearing it. your story and talking about that is amazing. So you you know, like uh you've watched me for three and a half years on this transition of true face. And bro, you've got to lead a true face journey group. So mm. I'm gonna kill two birds with one stone and make a plug here, uh, yeah. and get you to sign up as a leader. Um, <laughs> 
Here's what fires me up. Um, you line up a hundred men and women who get grace and love Jesus from a hundred different churches, and you say, who want to pour their cup into others and go and make disciples and fulfill the Great Commission. And you say, how's your disciple making going from a hundred men and women who get grace and love Jesus? Most of us out of the hundred would say terrible because we don't know who to invest in and how to do it with intentionality. And our insecurities, our shame prevents us from knowing. And so we just keep doing stuff without that intentionality of investing at a level that leads to transformation by wrestling with the deeper heart level stuff, which looks like relational discipleship. So we have taken everything uh, and focused as a ministry, a lot of our resources into let's serve the kingdom and be a part of kingdom ripples through this by equipping men and women uh, who want to pour their cup into others with a nine month framework for you to mm. invest in seven or eight guys over the next nine months, mm. or you and Candace to invest in three to four couples. Yeah. You meet once a month for three hours. Uh, they read a book in between, do introspective, like lay counseling type stuff. Yeah, uh, It's like part counseling, part theology, part identity, part application in nine months, but you're only doing it once a month for three hours. And I will give you a hundred dollars, Jeremy, if you get through this nine months and say, this isn't the most intentional, effective I've ever been in pouring my cup and guiding others into these truths that God's taught mm. me, which is discipleship. Mm. And it, but we don't know how to do it and who to do it with, that, which is why we've put all our energy into building this framework. And churches are doing it as a leader development pipeline because oh, churches cool. don't have enough quality and quantity of leaders. So they're doing this nine-month thing, which they can call it First Baptist discipleship. We don't care. It's all You can white label it. If more people fall in love with Jesus, that's what we get to do at True Face. Yeah. And so um, you and Candice, so I'm asking you as a friend, pray yeah. about this. Like yeah, yeah. who are the seven or eight guys and you get a co-leader and you open your life uh, and or you and Candace, who are the three to four couples that you're going to journey with once a month for three hours and and you're going to love it. You're yeah, yeah. Awesome. We, so, I, like, I like to look more into that. I'd talk to you about that. I think that'd be great. Everybody else listening to this, um, now's the time to do it. If you're going to launch a group in August, September, go to trueface.org forward slash trueface journey. Or just click on True Face Journey at the top of our website, trueface.org. We train you, we equip you. You can call me, we'll set you up or connect us to someone at your church. I'm going to lead a group every year the rest of my life. And this thing is awesome. Emily and I just had our month five with four couples that we're doing really? it with. So y'all go check that out. And um, Jeremy, we'll talk offline if you want to do a men's group, couples group. You're going to love it. But most groups launch in August, September, which start now in like April, May, uh, thinking about your people gearing up, that kind of thing. Cause they read Bo's cafe before their first month kick. Oh, off. good. So yeah. Sets yeah, a foundation yeah. And a, a presence great. for what they're getting into. So Jeremy, you're awesome, man. I Thank love you. you. And let me pray for you and bless you uh, yeah, be great. as we wrap this thing up. Be and great. then if there's anything you want to leave this tribe with, you can leave us with it after I, I pray for you. Be awesome. God, it's, I, uh, take a moment with a friend to worship you to meditate on your goodness. And I want to be more grateful and aware of your goodness. And this call is just a beautiful reminder to me of watching this guy over the six years, how we're at war and he has been faithful and you have redeemed. And so continue to bless and protect this brother. And thank you for answering our prayers. We, we glorify you uh, through watching, the, through the difficulty how you have redeemed and and uh, and 
supported this guy um, and his faithfulness has been an encouragement to me uh, today. And I praise you for it. Amen. 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 You got anything to leave us with before we... Man, if I could leave you with anything or everybody listening, here's the here here in in summary, storms are inevitable. They are going to happen. And I don't think you can ever look at scripture and ever see anybody in scripture not go through a storm. It's go it, it does happen and you have to have them. I just think when it thinks about the buffalo mentality and how God built us like them, uh, we can charge them, we can take them on, we can walk on water. Jesus stood up and calmed the storm down. You got to remember who you serve. And I think that no matter what storm comes at you, you got to realize that you can go right at it and you just got to trust, you got to learn to trust God more in it with you. And you do that. He's never going to fail you. Even does not matter how bad that storm is leaning more and more on him in that storm to push you, carry you, guide you, go out ahead of you, you know, shove you in the back when you got to get, get pushed a little more, let him do it. Uh, because I think in the end, no matter what, you'll never come out of a storm that God, that you trusted God with and said, man, I learned nothing and I'm more angry at him for it. The only reason we get angry at him is because we don't trust him and we don't want to look to see what he's trying to show us. So have an open heart, uh, and just know that storms are there to build you and strengthen you, not to tear you down and to make you worse. It's always to make you better. Amen. See ya. All right, man. You've been dialed into the Built for the Storm podcast with Jeremy Affel. And he strikes out. That's four straight for Affel. Can't do it any better than Jeremy Affel. If you like what you heard, please like, rate, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify today. Jeremy Affel here for Free Roam Brewing Company. Do you enjoy craft beer? I do. So I started Free Roam Brewing Company. Our logo, environment, and community all reflect the mighty buffalo, a creature built for the storm. It symbolizes inner strength, perseverance, and a love of freedom. Here at Free Roam Brewing Company, we are determined to strengthen our community through the love of craft beer. Our premium quality lagers and ales reflect the diverse experiences and tastes of our community. In a boundless world of potential beer styles, we cherish the freedom to roam. So if you're in the Bernie area, whether local or passing through, join us on Main Street and enjoy your freedom. Jeremy Affel here for the Hotel Via. I know you've heard it's at the intersection of sports, technology, and entertainment. But for me, it's my home away from home when I visit San Francisco. I can give you 50 great reasons why I chose Hotel Via, but it's easier for me to say it provides all the comforts of home, family owned and operated, and of course it's across from the beautiful Oracle Park. So when you're coming to San Francisco for business, pleasure, vacation, or just coming to a sporting event, check in to the Hotel Via.